What are the blessings, the spiritual blessings, that money cannot buy? Well, in today's study in 2 Corinthians 9, we're going to see how the Bible promises that when we step into a realm of generosity that God brings into our life, what the Bible calls a harvest of spiritual righteousness. What is a harvest of righteousness? We're going to explore that out in today's sermon. I'm so glad you're listening to Awakened to Grace. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning. We are finishing a series today. We are concluding our series on righteousness. We've talked about what righteousness will not only do for a people, for a country, but also for us as individual Christ followers. We began in week one with Psalm 11, where the scripture says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? We talked about the plight of our country. We talked about the state that America is now in. We began with Psalm 11, and we saw that if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, the next verse, verse 4, says that God is in His holy temple, and God is on His throne. Amen. Last week, we were in Matthew chapter 5, and we looked at the Scripture in verse 6. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be what? Filled, satisfied. We talked last week that in our American culture, we are taught to pursue happiness. But in reality, what Jesus teaches is that you don't pursue the things that you think will satisfy you. No. You don't pursue satisfaction within itself. And that's what many, especially Americans, do. We for we, we, for we, we pursue fulfillment. We pursue satisfaction. No, Jesus said what you do is you pursue, you go after, you hunger, you thirst, you crave the very thing that actually will fulfill and will satisfy. And that is righteousness. The things of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then other things will be added to your life. Well, we're going to continue on in the same thought today as we conclude our series, and we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to talk about what the Bible calls a harvest of righteousness. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you will help us today as we examine your word, as we break open this great bread of life, and God, may it fulfill us today. May it satisfy all of those cravings that each of us have in life. God, may it give us an eternal perspective. So many of us have trouble seeing past the next paycheck. So many of us have trouble seeing past the next five years. So many of us have trouble seeing past perhaps even retirement. But God, you invite us into a different way of living. You invite us into a different story. And it is an eternal perspective. Give us that kind of perspective today, Lord. As we open your word, we study your word, God, may it come to life to us today. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 9, it's been uh, quite an important chapter throughout my pastoring. I've always looked to it. It's always helped me. It's always encouraged me. But this year particularly, 2020, has been quite the year for me and Sadie in our personal spiritual growth. I've been very transparent with the church, and today I'm not per se going to preach on giving. Uh, I'll touch a, just a little bit on it because it's what the text, it, it, it's, it's the context of, of what Paul is writing. But, but I want to show you what the Lord has been showing me all year this year. God began dealing with me around the end of February, the 1st of March. As you know, and I've been very transparent with you, Sadie and I struggled in the area of giving for quite a while. And up until several years ago, we were not tithers. I gave all of my time, I gave all of my energy, I gave all of my attention to the church. And in my foolishness, I thought that was enough. But what I had to learn the hard way is that when it comes to giving, there is no excuse before the Lord. My excuse was, we're a young family. My excuse was, we're a growing family. My excuse was, God, my head is barely above water. It's above water, but it's kind of like this. (laughs) It's barely above water. My excuse was when I get settled in life, when I get into a better place. When we get our bills under control. And none of that measures up. And what I had to learn in my own personal life. Is yes I can give God many things. I can give him my energy. I can give him my abilities. I can give him my skills and my talents. And even my attention and even my worship. But if I am withholding my first fruits. If I am giving God what's left. Instead of giving God what's right. I'm wrong. Well, several years ago, and I've been transparent about this, and I've shared with you several years ago, Sadie and I got very serious about giving. We made it priority. We made it the priority of our lives. And since then, oh, how God has helped us and blessed us. Well, fast forward to this year, around February or March, God spoke to me what I would have never dreamed He would have said. Here we went from non-tithers at all, giving God what little we had just whenever we could, just giving God what's left, to now, several years later, God has blessed us, we're tithing solid, it's, it's systematic, it's disciplined, it's there. Well, now it's just in the rhythm of our week. We, we don't even really even think about it anymore because it's just built in and it's routine. Well, the Lord spoke to me the beginning of the year and God said, I want you to do more. I want you to do more than your, the 10% you don't even feel anymore. Now it's time to take the next step. And God put a percentage in our heart and we began to do that. Well, now, now I want to show you what God has been teaching me all year long. See, when I gave previously, I thought one of the reasons I was giving was for God to give back, you know, like, okay, because we're tithers, God's going to help our life. He's going to provide a vehicle for us. He's going to provide the fuel for the vehicle. He's going to provide 
our weekly provisions. We're able to go to the grocery store. God's going to keep a roof over my head. And all of those things matter, don't they? Those things are important. And God's going to take care of us. And God has to his glory. But what God began to teach me back in February and March was something that I've never seen in these texts. Something that I've read this chapter hundreds of times, but I've never saw it until February or March. And I want, you, I want to draw your attention to several key words today, but particularly, just look at verse 10 with me. And this is where I want to begin. And we're going to back up and, 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 and see some key things here. But notice 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10. Notice that, that at the very end, the last phrase of verse 10, Paul is going to write that not only is God going to give seed to the sower, that's what he says, right? And he's going to give bread to the hungry. Oh, doesn't God meet our provisions? And then what happens after you sow your seed and then you eat your bread? Then what? Well, notice this is perpetual. He's going to supply and multiply your seed for sowing. And then this is what I never saw. Look what God says. And he will increase the harvest of your righteousness. And see, God began to teach me earlier this year. Chad, you think you're giving, so I provide a home. You think you're giving, so I provide food. You think you're giving so that I'll provide for your family. But God says, no, no, Chad, you don't understand. What I want to do is so big in your life, it is beyond the things that money could ever buy. God says, what I want to do is bring a harvest of righteousness into your life. And I begin to think, what does a harvest of righteousness mean? I mean, how do you even get your hands around that? What does it mean? And God began to reveal to me. God began to speak to me. Chad, I'll produce such fruits of the Holy Spirit in your life that they will grow in abundance. Chad, I'll do for you what you could never do for yourself. I will provide for you what money could never touch. See, the thing I can't do is bring righteousness to my children, can I? And you can't do it either, but God can. The thing that I cannot do is bring grace into my life. I can't buy grace, but God says, I'll make all grace abound toward you. I cannot do certain spiritual things in my own flesh, by my own strength, in my own doing, by my own desires. But you know what? God is able to bring a harvest of spiritual righteousness into me. And Chad said, and the Lord said, Chad, you're missing the entire point of the text. You think the point is give. And I'll give you shelter, I'll give you food, I'll give you provisions. No, the point is you give, you become a generous, you become a cheerful giver. And what is going to be the fruit, what's going to be the harvest? The things that money could never buy you. Do you see what I'm saying? So let's back up and let's understand the context today. Let's understand what Paul is truly saying. Paul is coming to the Corinthian church. And if you read the previous chapter... And the first several verses of chapter 9, what you see is Paul is preparing an offering. So you do have to understand, the context of this scripture is 
in a way of giving, okay? So don't miss that. Don't cut that out. So Paul is going to prepare a gift. And what he's telling the Corinthians, he's going to receive a gift for poorer Christians. And he's going to say, I'm coming to you. You've promised a gift. Don't embarrass me. You say you're going to do this, have it prepared. But he says in verse number six, now this is very important. Paul says, so the point is this. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. But then he says in verse 7, but don't give under compulsion. Don't let someone twist your arm. Let each one decide in his heart what he wants to give. For God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Paul says this thing is not forced. This is out of the heart. It's very similar, as Brad was explaining, you know, we did the Bless the Blue project, which was so successful. Praise God for that. We're going to, we're going to really minister to our local law enforcement through this. And then uh, next Sunday, we're going, to, it, 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 we're going to have Smile Foster Kids. Uh, their director is coming in to give a short, like a 10-minute presentation. They cared for 500 foster kids last year. And we're going to bless them. We're going to help them. And then at the end of the year, for the last two Sundays of the year, and our big Christmas Eve candlelight service, we're going to do an offering for Bibles for Bangladesh. $3 buys a Bible for a Christian in Bangladesh. I'm asking the Lord, and I have been asking the Lord. I'm asking the Lord that we will be responsible for 1,000 Bibles. Wouldn't that be wonderful to end such a hard and difficult year like 2020 and end it by sending 1,000 Bibles to Bangladesh. What a way to end the year. Well, see, in a similar way, this is what Paul has done. Paul has said, I want you to have a heads up. I want you to understand. I want you to pray and prepare a gift. And this is why he's writing this. Now, in saying that, he does some incredible teaching. He helps us understand that there are natural laws and there are spiritual laws and they're similar. They're sowing and reaping. But what I Again, Paul says in verse 6, the point is this, sowing and reaping. But when you get later down into the text, what I never saw was the point of the sowing and reaping. It's not just material provisions. It's those spiritual things that money cannot buy. For example, look with me at verse number 8. Look what he says in verse number 8. And God is able. Is that not what we just got through singing? Wasn't that our first song today? God is able. That wasn't. <laughs> I, I was just standing there listening. Like, Are you kidding me? That's the first song. God is able. What's verse 8 say? God is able to make all grace abound toward you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You know what that verse tells me? That verse tells me that God walks with me through every season of life. God walks with me through every sorrow of life. God walks with me through every pain, through every problem, through every hardship, every single thing that I face in life. God says, Chad, don't fear it because you'll have all sufficiency for all things at all times. 
See, that's why the Bible says so many, so often, it says we can bless the Lord at all times. Amen? Why can I bless the Lord at all times? Because his grace is sufficient. Because I have sufficiency in all things at all times. Hallelujah. And then he says, look what he says, verse number 8, that he may, that you may abound in every good work. What's he saying? That word abound, the word picture is literally of a river that is overflowing its banks. Isn't that phenomenal? That's who I want to be in life. I want to be so generous. I want to be so joyful. I want to have the fruits of the Holy Spirit so abounding in me that my life is literally like a river that is overflowing its banks. Then I'm just always generous. Look what he says in verse 11. You will be enriched in every way that you may be what? Generous in every way. Hallelujah. Do you want to live that kind of life? Do you want to be someone who's generous? With everything that you have, with who you are as a person, I want, to, I want my life to be irrationally generous. Because let, let me tell you, I'm getting ahead of myself right now. But if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down right now. And, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want to say it right here. This is why I want to be so generous in life. Because the harvest that God wants to do in our life You do not get a harvest from seed that is stored. You get a harvest from seed that is sown. That's the only way you get a harvest. And if God is able to do in my life such rich things like bring great grace to me, like cause me to abound in every good work, Like bring the harvest of righteousness into my life. Like cause me to be generous in every way. Then I want want that kind of harvest. I want to live that kind of life. So let's talk about that for just a moment. How How do you get a harvest of righteousness? If God wants to do such an excellent work, then what do you do? Well, then we have to understand something, okay? Let's understand this. The laws that are natural, say like farm living, are very similar to the laws that are spiritual. They parallel. So if I'm going to get a harvest, do you know what I have to do? I have to be willing to sow seed. I have to be willing to take the precious seed of my life and I have to be willing to sow it. I can't store it in barns. It won't produce anything. I have to put it into the ground in order for it to produce. Is that right or wrong? How many of you were like me in school and you learned the art of cramming? Anybody ever cram in school? Now see, there are certain social laws. We're big on social today, right? Social media, social distancing, everything's social. Well, yes, there are some social laws, but it's not like natural laws. So most of us, most of us did not grow up on a farm. Most of us do not farm for a living. So I I know one family here in our church who has an amazing farm. I actually purchased beef from them. They have an incredible farm. 
But most of us do not make a living farming, although, just for your information, let me give you some useless facts here. Did you know that the state of Tennessee is among the top 10 states for agriculture? As a matter of fact, if you look at our state seal, it has to do with agriculture. Do you know how many farms there are in the state of Tennessee? Would anyone like to take a wild guess? Just take a stab at it. 5,000. Who else? Just take a stab. I want to see if you're anywhere close to what I thought. 8,000. Going once, going twice. I looked it up on Google so you can fact check me. 66,600 farms in the state of Tennessee. 11 million acres of farmland that produce $3 billion a year. We know something about farming in Tennessee, don't we? Now, think with me for a moment, okay? I'm making a, a, I'm making a point here, but you've got to follow me for a moment. In school, which is where most of us learn much of our behavior, you can cram. Is that right or wrong? You can, you can spend most of your years in school and you can cram and never learn. Most of us did it, right? Crammed, but never learned anything. Those rules in social life do not apply to natural laws. You cannot do that on a farm. You cannot come to the precious months of harvesting in August and September. You cannot come to those precious, valuable months and then cram for a harvest. You can't go out two weeks before harvest and sow a ton of seed and expect a strong harvest. It doesn't work that way, right? And see, we do the same thing in our lives spiritually. We live haphazardly. We live for the moment. We live doing whatever we want to do. But then the moment that we need God to intervene, then all of a sudden we sow some real quick seed. You cannot cram for righteousness. It doesn't work that way. It is a spiritual law like there are natural laws, like there is farming laws that does not work the way most of us grew up. No, the strongest spiritual lives are those that are done in increments, those that are done through the process, those that are done perpetually, those that are always sowing seeds. What's the old saying? Sow and act and you'll reap what? A habit. Sow a habit and you'll reap a character. Sow a character and you'll reap a destiny. Some of you right now, you don't have any quiet time with the Lord. You're busy. You constantly, you go, 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 go. We're developing this resource for the end of the year, first of the year, to help people establish a strong devotion time. Mornings with God, that's what we're calling it. Mornings with God. And I'm telling you, if you'll get into a habit, 
If you'll begin to sow the seeds of a habit to where you spend your mornings with God, what a difference that that would make in your spiritual life. You see what I'm saying? And instead of cramming for God to intervene, no, you'll live a perpetual life of spending time with God, sowing those seeds with God that then He can bring the harvest of righteousness into your life. If you enjoyed today's broadcast and would like to hear more great content, you can always download our free mobile app, Awaken to Grace, where you can request prayer, find sermons, articles, blogs, music, podcasts, as well as support us financially. You can also visit either of our websites at www.preachingchristchurch.com or www.awakentograce.com for more information about our church or our resource ministry. Thank you for listening to Awaken to Grace.